Hey Panthers, welcome to the official leadership podcast. This is Behind the Mask. Hi, I'm Sophia, the director. And I'm Margo, the chief editor. And I'm Kai Chen, the distance editor. And I'm Irene, the media manager. In today's episode, we are taking the opportunity to tie gender inequality into mental health, and more specifically, its effects that are implemented on youth. Today's quote is a wonderful notion by Nelson Mandela stating... Freedom cannot be achieved unless women have been emancipated from all forms of oppression. Today, our subtopics will be patriarchy, where the idea of sexism originated, how these sexist ideas have shaped youth's perception of the world, and how all this may tie into mental health. And with that, we'd like to continue. So I'll be starting off with the system of patriarchy. So the most basic definition of it would be a system where there's male dominance, where the male is the head of a household. And we most commonly see this when we're reading or watching something, but it's most commonly referred to as the eldest son inherits the house. And that's why, you know, when we read these textbooks, we see that people want sons because the sons are the ones that inherit it. So this idea of almost male dominance has been instilled for generations, centuries, and it's been pretty well ingrained into history, but we don't, we definitely do not see it as much here in the United States as we do in the other parts of the world. So throughout history, women have faced intense discrimination from a lack of legal rights and very little independence from their husbands to being thought to have inferior brains. At a time when human societies were abandoning their wanderlust in favor of agricultural settlements, the first inklings of gender inequality were taking root. So according to many studies, historically gender inequalities have largely focused on on written records, but the European Journal of Archaeology analyzed 5,000 to 8,000 year old graves in Iberian Peninsula, which shows that by the second century BCE, gender inequalities were already entrenched in Middle Eastern societies. So cultural pract- so the cultural practice of valuing men over women arose sometime in prehistory before written records even emerged. All of the evidence ever found are somehow linked uh, to the predominance of men in terms of violence. So there was a difference in power and this difference in power maybe was based in the use of violence by males and if we can say that gender inequality began in the Neolithic age, for example, it means that it's something cultural and it's not something biologically determined. And the emergence of gender differences was likely just one of the many profound changes that took place in Neolithic societies, along with social inequalities that arose as people started to accumulate private property. So gender inequality 
um, had a really central role in the origin of social complexity as well. I, I, I believe that anthropological research can provide much more clues about the origins of gender inequality. Understanding sexism's origins could also help us better understand the inequalities that plague modern society. So if we know the origins of gender inequality, then we can have more tools to confront it in the future. And it's just shocking that it has been here since like, since, well, before written records. It's just shocking that so much has already happened in social society and how the, the mentality of how uh, women are inferior ha, um, had already been placed before writing and written records were um, happening and were a thing. And I think it just shows that like this, uh, these ideas were are so implemented into our societies and it can be extremely hard to take away um, those ideas. Even if people unconsciously think things, um, it it is still a large part of our society. And as I said before, once we understand uh, deeply where these ideas were rooted from, uh, then we can start to help conquer these uh, sexist ideas and help make the world a more equal and more opportunity-filled world. Yeah, as with anything, looking back at its history reveals a lot of what's happening today and I think that's why history is so valued because it does give us context and it gives us insights into how our world operates today so that we can begin to change it for the future and so that we can understand how we're writing our own history in this very moment. I'd like to quickly give out a quick disclaimer um, that the following material in this episode does contain rape and murder so please listen to your own discretion and always know that you can uh, take breaks and step away so i'm going to talk about the effects of gender inequality and especially i'm going to talk about on child so gender inequality in education is even before the pandemic girls were more likely than boys to never set foot in a classroom Conflict, poverty, and other forms of social disadvantage also magnify gender inequality in education. Girls living in countries affected by conflict, for example, are 2.5 times more likely to be out of school than boys. Some 9.7 million children were at risk of being forced out of school by the end of 2020, which girls facing an increased risk. Next one is child marriage. So child marriage is a form of gender-based violence and the result and driver of gender inequality and discrimination. Experts predict that the COVID-19 pandemic is set to reverse 25 years of progress, which saw child marriage rates decline. In fact, Save the Children analysis revealed a further 2.5 million girls at risk of 
marriage by 2025 because of the pandemic, the greatest surge in child marriage rates in nearly three decades. So as you can see, the first two points are a little bit close to the pandemic, but the next one is not. So the next one is gender-based violence. And gender-based violence occurs everywhere around the world across all economic and social groups. While both boys and girls are negatively impacted, girls are particularly at risk. An estimated one in three women globally have experienced physical or sexual violence in their lifetime, mostly at the hands of their partners. Types of violence may include prenatal sex selection, female infanticide, sorry, female infanticide, neglect, uh, neglect female genital mutilation, rape, child marriage, forced prostitution, honor killing, and dory killing. Many of these gross violations of human rights, uh, sorry, many of these gross violations of human rights have been used as weapons of war around the world. Refugee children are particularly vulnerable. And the final one is child labor. There are currently 152 million children engaged in child labor around the world. Child labor makes it difficult for children to attend school or limited, limits their attendance, putting them at risk of falling behind their peers. Boys and girls are affected differently by child labor and parents' decisions are often influenced by wider social norms about the different roles that they should play in the home and in society. Girls are much more likely to shoulder the responsibility for household chores while boys are most more likely to engage in harmful work, such as the construction. Girls are usually pulled out of school earlier than boys that are more likely to face sexual exploitation and slavery. Those statistics are astonishing. And even though they're very global and all of these things are happening throughout the globe, we can also look at patriarchy as a very global thing because it did arise around the globe and it's um, ingrained in many different cultures and it persists through many different cultures and many different perceptions of the world. So when we hear this word patriarchy, we are really forced to look deeply within ourselves and examine our own values and our own perception of the world. And I think as youth, this process of examination and self-reflection and even just um, like sitting with yourself and looking at all of these statistics, no matter how hard it is, is especially vital. Even still, as with any of these unnatural societal power imbalances, um, these ideas take root deeply within ourselves and begin to manifest in our actions. It's all of these unconscious actions and internalized sexism that take a toll on our mental health. Depending on who you are, these actions will differ 
And whether you take extra safety precautions, um, if you're, say, a woman or a trans person, when alone, or take extra actions to perceive as not sexist if you are masculine presenting or male, um, these are still evidence of this patriarchal society. So we're shocked when we see cases such as Sarah Everend arise, while there is evidence that societies going back thousands of years have these same occurrences happen. In many ways, this should not be astonishing, but it is because we're human and we should expect more of ourselves and we should not be living in a world where this is normalized and this is something that will always occur. So as Margot mentioned, in almost every case in history um, that there are people in power and in they're in this position through some means of violence or some reason means of destruction or conquering because conquering in itself is violent um, and forcing ideas onto other is others is violent because that's cultural um, violence. So as Margot mentioned, the evidence that has arisen describing like the historical context of patriarchy is in many ways violent. So I think that when carrying like when examining these processes, they take a toll on us because of that historical violence and that violence that persists today. So we we really have come to a point where evidence of the patriarchy and sexism is in our everyday lives and permeates um, throughout all of our actions and all of the areas of our lives. So I think we've come to a point where we need to listen to that. We need to listen to all these actions. And we, t we need to recognize that the, although the surface may, at, like many times, feel very tranquil. There's a lot of these like ideas and toxic things circulating beneath the surface. So it's really treacherous water. We're walking on treacherous water or we're sailing um, more accurately. Now we need to find a way to calm that. And I think even if it does take a toll on yourself, we need to really examine it and again look back at its historical roots which we are um, explaining to you to begin to dismantle it because that's the ultimate goal because if it at one time could be built up it could also be disabled and made to be just a historical fact that we're ashamed of, yes, but it's in the past. Yeah, I think the overarching um, 
I think the overarching message for just equality and really finding diverse ideas and us and creating a space where everyone feels welcome and happy uh, to be themselves is to have to, to, to not stop violence with violence because I think there are so many examples of people who haven't stopped, uh, fought violence with violence and it has worked I mean I think in our society we think oh you have to like fight violence with violence but no I think violence is really never the answer and so this is why um a lot of these problems are rooted from violence, I think, because we are so caught up in the moment when we really need to just step back and think what we're actually doing and what we're trying to achieve. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that quick thought. Um, as Sophia and I both mentioned, how um, violent, well, yeah, and Kai Cheng as well, um, how violence has really been implemented into our society through, unfortunately, gender inequality and uh, patriarchy. Yeah, I, I enjoy that point about not fighting violence with violence and instead um, fighting violence with peace and um, power through your voice or poetry and I, I kind of want to bring it back to that quote by Nelson Mandela, one of the most acclaimed leaders ever, specifically because he was so peaceful. And he, he mentions freedom, right? And he mentions um, women and gender equality. So I think that really freedom and a peaceful society are very attached to each other um, because freedom in, in some ways is a absence of violence in, in all its forms, whether it be like microaggressions, um, cultural violence, physical violence, um, so freedom is really the absence of all of that. And that is achieved through peace because we can't continue down that cycle of vengeance and hurt because that does not heal one. It may temporarily ease pain, but it never fully stops it doesn't it continues the cycle it perpetuates the cycle it doesn't stop it at its root we are now very excited to be sharing another leader's spotlight in this episode today we are choosing to spotlight yara shahidi an actor model activist shahidi founded we vote next which was a platform to encourage her peers to vote for the very first time in the past midterm elections. Her other organizations include Yara's Club, which provides online membership in hopes to end poverty through education. 
Shahidi's activism was noticed by former former First Lady Michelle Obama, who wrote her a letter of recommendation to Harvard University. She was also given the opportunity by Teen Vogue to interview Hillary Clinton in 2017. Yara Shahidi has given inspiration to youth throughout the nation in more ways than one. Whether it's voting, education, or independence, Shahidi has ideas for it all. Please feel free to submit any anonymous experiences you may have for any topics you want us to cover. For more information, please visit our website subpage. So to recap, in today's episode, we talked about gender inequalities relation to mental health and more specifically, its effects on today's youth. Make sure to always monitor your emotions and seek professional guidance if you need to. Today's featured organization is Shahidi's organization, We Vote Next, formerly known as 18 Times 18. Thanks for listening. This is Behind the Mask.